I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Ausbids Live from our Barangaroo studios. You've tuned in for the call. 10 stocks picked by you. I put it, them to an expert panel. We do it all in one hour on this Wednesday, the 9th of November. Uh, let's introduce the panel. They've always got a lot of great advice and analysis. Uh, Michael Wayne from Medanium Financial. Michael, how are you, sir? I'm you good. well? I'm good. Ready good. for a big show. Yeah, excellent. Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets, in, uh, based in the West. How are you, Carl? Yep. Yeah, good afternoon, Koshi. Good morning to everybody over here in WA, three hours and about 20 years behind everybody else. Oh, you're not allowed to say that. We can say <laughs> can. that. I'm a sand grower. Yeah, 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 you can defend it. You're not allowed to say it. <laughs> oh, no, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Hey, uh, today, something a bit different in the first half hour. Um, uranium is all the rage, has been a real topic of conversation for about the last six or nine months here on uh, on the call. So a bit in the first five stocks, first half hour, a bit of uranium feel, not a bit, it's a lot of uranium feel. Uh, we're going to take a look at Paladin, Boss Energy, Deep Yellow, Next Gen and Aurora Energy. And in the second half of the show, we'll go more diverse. In fact, uh, we'll kick it off with uh, outside of the uranium sector with uh, NAB as stock of the day has lifted its cash earnings to $7.1 billion as a result of strong lending. Bank delivering a dividend, 78 cents. BD Expectations says it's well positioned for FY23, forecasting it will be a more challenging environment, adding that it's taken into account the changing home lending market with heightened refinancing activity and competitive pressures expected. Uh, net profit jumping to $6.89 billion from 6.36 billion dollars. Um, Carl, what did you uh, you think of the result? Oh, it was a good result. Very, very solid result. Pretty much in line with the expectations. If they did miss, it was on the cost side and on the net interest margin. So you'll see that abbreviated in the statements as NIM. And really, I mean, this is the ultimate profitability um, metric for the banks. You know, it's how much they're, they're clearing from obviously uh, charging us a big whack on our home loans and paying us stuff all on our deposits. And the banks have had a nice little run out of that over the last six months, haven't they, Koshi, since the RBA got going. And of course, share prices have benefited. You know, we're up about 20% from those June lows. But I think the message here is, uh, you know, from management, uh, you know, CEO comments all the, all the way through the, the, the numbers, is that we're kind of top of, of the, you know, it's bumper profit, top of the range for a while, uh, best profit since 2018. So they've recovered, you know, the, the poor performance of the last few years and the pandemic. But yeah, it's all about, uh, you know, markets look forward. So it's all about um, the impact on the uh, consumer, on the on the, on the the borrower, starting to come through through those, through those interest rate increases and uh, high rates of inflation. They're, they're, there's a lot more competition. Uh, so the expectation is that if home loans are going to contract, you, you, as a bank, you still want growth. So you're gonna to have to fight harder and harder uh, to, to get that growth. And that means more pressure on margins. As I said, the cost line, uh, I think was a miss. And that some of that stuff's gonna hang around, whereas the loan growth probably isn't. They shot the lights out on the business side of things. I think that could come under pressure as well as the economy deteriorates through 2023. So I think it's a high watermark. I don't like it on the valuation side of thing, things. I don't like it. I don't think it's cheap. Uh, I don't like the outlook. But here's here's the difference. The chart is still pretty strong. So for the last six months, maybe a bit more, you've heard me come on the call and say, hey, uh, this is a really interesting business. I like it. It looks cheap, but I can't buy it because the chart looks bad. This is a business I don't like. I think it's expensive, but I'm happy to hold it because the chart still looks good. But I'll mm. monitor that as we go. Okay. Michael? <laughs> um, typically looking at the banking reports, there are sort of five or six key metrics that we look at. There's the cash earnings, the revenue, the pre-provision operating profits, net interest margins, costs, um, and things like um, 
capital ratios. But basically, you saw that revenue numbers were strong, pre-provision operating profits were pretty good too, um, but where they did disappoint was on the costs and the net interest margins. So it's probably a, a pass, if you like, um, in right. terms of today's result. The question is looking at the outlook for the banks. Um, obviously, they've got this shot in the arm from the big rapid increase in interest rates um, that's helped their margins. Uh, but as Carl touches upon, the outlook is probably a little bit questionable. Um, obviously, there's a bit of a lagged effect between interest rates going up and the impact on the consumer and, and on households. And the reality is there's about 25% of fixed mortgages rolling over in the next 12 months. Um, that will need to be refinanced at yeah, higher rates. The, these fixed loan ones. That's right. Reverting to, to variable. That's right. So there's a big chunk of the market rolling over in the next 12 months. There'll be a lot of competition to who gets those refinances. Uh, and then you've also got to be conscious of the fact that the housing market's weak. Um, a lot of the assets that are sort of supporting um, these loans are declining in value. Um, obviously, they're pretty well protected with the, the, with the LVRs that are in place. Um, but it's going to be very difficult for credit growth to continue expanding at the rapid rate that we've become used to over the last yeah. 10, 20 years yeah. or so. So that's going to be a negative on one side of things. So from our point, we're pretty neutral on the banks. We get one side of the argument, yes, the current environment is an improvement for them on the recent times, but we are conscious and cautious of the, the medium to longer term next 12 months or so. So I know we're a hold. Um, for us, we hold, we hold right. CBA, even though it's very expensive, and we right. hold um, Westpac. But... All the banks are roughly. You see, Westpac's report was terrible yeah. uh, the other day. NADS yeah. was better, but I was fascinated. There was one page on the Westpac report which is delinquencies, yeah. um, and that was continuing to come down and incredibly low levels, still incredibly yeah. low. Uh, tiny amount of people. 30 days and 90 days in arrears on their repayments. And that was the same as NAB as well. Oh, same with NAB. Yeah. Okay. We just think that Westpac's got more of an, an alignment to New South Wales, right. which was probably the first market to come under pressure. Ah, right. And there's also signs that although the housing market in Sydney is continuing to come off, the rate of decline is slowing, yeah. whereas other parts of the country are just really starting right. to accelerate into their declines. But really, it's a much of a muchness. We're not necessarily getting new money into banks, but obviously we have a lot of clients that have yeah. legacy positions and you've got to kind of manage those. Yeah. Uh, what I took out of it was all this hysteria about mortgage prisms and sending Australia yeah. broke and the households broke wasn't happening with the proviso that in a couple of months all those fixed rate loans are going to revert yeah. and that could change around March, April, May, June. Uh, That's right. And they're still talking about probably another 1.25% of increases over the next six to 12 months. And oh, are you going Goldman Sachs? Well, that's what Goldman's is saying. I think what's oh, happening yeah. is they're, everyone's they're gravitating limbo, higher. aren't they? Oh, there's everyone, NAB and CBA, I think we're at 3.85 or something. Oh, uh, no, CBA's 3.1. Yeah. Uh, no, NAB's at 3.6. 3.6, they're all going to grind and gravitate higher. Look, the inflation figures are still yeah. Very, very high. So we think that you know, there's a good chance that it gets up there. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Let's focus on uranium now. And uh, uh, first uranium stock, Paladin. Uh, Carl, what do you think of Paladin? Of course, it, it's an actual uranium producer, not an explorer. It's got mines in Namibia and Australia. Yeah, well, not yet. It's not producing yet, but it does have the uranium in the ground. So that's yeah. the, the good good bit. So it's, a, it, it's got a mine that's on care and maintenance. I was going to so say, there's did, one in mothballs, yeah. isn't it, that you can Correct. bring out yeah. quick. Yeah. Well, not that quick because, you know, it, it costs a lot of money to keep the thing in mothballs. And right. then it costs a lot of money to upgrade it to the, the, you know, to upgrade the infrastructure to make it all work again. Uh, and they're in the process of doing that. So they're sort of uh, clearing away all the dead wood in terms of the machinery. They're ordering long lead uh, items and, and the like. So they will get into production. Oh, I, th I can't remember the exact, it was 2024, 2025, Michael might know off the top of his head. But yeah, look, it's a, it's a decent sized deposit over there in Namibia. It's called Langer Heinrich. We're talking about 128 million pounds. Uh, which, which globally speaking is is significant. Okay, we're going to talk about a few today that are that are a fraction of that. So, um, a long mine life, reasonable cost of production, um, pretty easy to get the stuff out of the ground. Um, they've just got to sort out a few of the uh, offtake agreements. I would suggest to get everything going again. But I, I think um, this this is a lock to get back into production. They are fully funded uh, to do that. 
And yeah, the chart looks pretty solid. So they will be a, a global player um, in the next few years. Um, the, the big question for all of these companies is where is the Europe uranium price going mm. to be? Uh, and they do finally get back to production. So the, look, Paladin uh, can make it work at the current price of around about $52, $53 US a pound. They would love it to be in the 60s though. I mean, that's where you really see uh, in terms of, I guess the profitability of these companies and the valuation therefore of these companies, um, it really starts to take that uh, upward curve when you, when you start to get into the sort of the mid 60s and then if we dream when uranium prices get to the 75s and hundreds then the, you know something like a paladin is looking very very cheap it's yeah, Mark, it's not a, it's not a minnow by any stretch of the imagination at 1.6 no. billion um, but there is plenty of upside it, it's look it is ultimately like many of these uh, an option on the uranium price right so what do you think I think, you, I think you can own some. I think uh, we're going to talk about a few and I'll, I'll tell you which ones I think are better. But, I, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's an obvious reason why, why we're talking about Paladin. It is the, the biggest. The biggest, yeah. uh, It is the biggest on the Australian market. Now, there are many other uranium companies out there which, you know, I might buy before Paladin, to be honest, right. that are listed on other, other markets. Um, but, yeah, look, I think you can own some, but I think I'll wait till the next one. I, I, look, okay, so I you're a hold. One is, I'll put you as a hold as Paladin. Well, if I'm you're in it. If you're in it, hold it. Hold it. Okay. If you're in it, hold it. If, you, if, you don't, if you're not in it, I think there's some other stuff, and I'll, I'll talk about okay. those as we go. Michael? Um, we have clients that hold Paladin. It's not our preferred one either, um, but people like to be in the biggest for whatever reason. Yeah. They get comfort from it's that. It's sort of sector leader type. It is, and it's supposedly. It's the yeah. third largest listed uranium company in the world that's not state-owned. So, wow. Yeah, so it's quite, it's quite sizable, and it's got big assets trying to get them online. I think it has negotiated. And, and yep. you would think if it's that big, that would attract international investment as well, would it? In, particularly in a space where there's a lot of small companies. Knows, yeah. So that's what, that's why people like it. And we can see some value in, in all of that. Um, the reality is they have negotiated an offtake agreement, I think, which is going to give them some decent cash flow. They're also in the process of negotiating um, for uranium concentrate contracts. So they're going to have a lot of supply coming out of the ground, hopefully sooner than later. I'm not sure of the exact timeline on it, but I think it was the back end of 2024, maybe? Or right. no, 2023, yeah. Right. Sorry, next year, yeah. So um, they've pretty much got all their eggs in a row. They're fully funded. They'll have some good production. Their costs of production aren't that low relative to some of the others we'll talk about. Um, but over time, you'd think they'll be able to bring bring that down. So for us, it's not a bad player in the field. I think right. if you're looking at the macro side of things for uranium, um, the number of nuclear reactors at the moment is expected to grow significantly. These yeah. are the, the, the planned reactors that are going to be built in the next few years. But if you look at the number of proposed mined, uh, proposed reactors, particularly in Asia, there's a potential for an enormous uptick in demand going forward. And those are the closest to production, such as Paladin, if they can get things going, will capitalise on that early. Right. So you'd be a hold on that as well? Um, we're happy to buy PDN. Right. Um, okay. We think the chart looks all right in the short term as well. Okay. But again, it's not our preferred one. But if you want a sizable, right. um, yeah. And sort of the, the thematic, correct me if I'm wrong, is that you need baseload power mm. um, as you bring in renewables. And you've got to meet your climate change targets, emission targets. So for baseload, you've got to look at coal, gas, or uranium, yeah. and uranium will get you there better uh, as a baseload than coal or gas. Yeah, is that, is that basically the logic of that's, it all? That's 100% the logic. The, the only downside really for uranium relative to those others is that the catastrophic failure right. is more <laughs> considerable yeah. and significant, the cost yeah. of that. But it'll get you but, to the target. But that's 100%. <laughs> uh, but you're starting to see countries um, start to rethink uranium. You saw yeah, Japan switch Japan's, on the uranium. Yeah. France gets 70%. Um, Germany's closed down all theirs, but they potentially might go back down that yeah. path. But it's really Asia's the story in China and other parts of Asia. Yeah. That's where the most proposed number is being anticipated. Carl, what about the uranium price chart? Does that look as though it's got legs or uh, look, is it going yeah, anywhere? Look, 
look, a couple of false starts this year got up to about 65, which is like magic. I mean, that's where um, a lot of these companies we're going to talk about today want it. But it's pulled back to about 50, so that's not ideal. So it's all about the the, the term contracting. So spot market is basically sprot and a few utilities, I don't know, that might be right. kicking around on the odd occasion. But it's really, it's long-term contracts. So you've got, you got to understand if you're a, a, a nuclear um, a power producer, you, you don't want to go spot. You want long-term supply contracts with countries, preferably that aren't Russia or China, um, you know, with, with safe jurisdictions you can get stuff. So, you know, anything that's got Australian production, I think, is um, should be favoured. Anything that's got US production should be favoured. You look, Palin is Namibia. It's, it's a stable province. I don't think there's any issues with right. that. But, okay. um, yeah, look, I mean, the, 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 ter the term contracting market is starting to move, but it's not it's, yeah, this will take this will take a while. I know this. Every time you look at uranium, you're going to see a, a bunch of charts where there's a huge su supply deficit, yeah. and that is real, and that will happen, uh, even with the mining's coming back on and idle production coming back out. Um, but nothing happens quickly in the uranium market. So yeah. the, the question I keep getting asked by clients is, is this going to be the next lithium? And I keep saying, look, it's it's not it's not like lithium. It'll take a bit longer. I think it'll get right. there, but it's going to be a slow burn. Okay. Pardon the pun. Yeah. All right. Just okay. another quick point yeah. on the macro. It takes 10 one-inch pellets to power a household for a year. So if you think about the actual amount, really? it's nothing. And they're talking about the wastage that's come out of uranium in the US over 60 years of use in their reactors fills about one football field only. And that's 60 Jeez. years worth yeah. of nuclear Wow. It is it is the cleanest it is the cleanest greenest cheapest form of base load mm. there's no there's no question about that it's only 10% look expectations could get to 20% but in terms of green or I shouldn't say green but low carbon or, or zero carbon it's about half of half of the production out there at the moment okay. and the running costs are cheaper than anything else okay. uh, by a long way so right. I mean there's lots of cases for it uh, we could talk for a whole episode yeah, yeah. On, the, on the I was going to say we, we got to get a wriggle on because we're running behind here so let's get in, into the next stock um, uh, Carl is Boss Energy um, one that you would favour in this market I know it's a favourite of Nathan Thomas and Darren from Deep Data Analytics, they have the Honeymoon Uranium Project in South Australia. It's also on yeah. in mothballs, is it? Yeah, they're trying to get that back into production. Yeah. It's much smaller, so, you know, order of magnitudes. Um, look, if you look at measured, measured reserves, so stuff that they're, they're sure is there, it's uh, something like 8 million pounds versus... Uh, what's Langer Heinrich? It's like a hundred, hundred million pounds. I mean, okay. it is, it is tiny. All right, so it's tiny compared to Paladin, um, but it, it's, it's, it's cheaper to get up, up and running, and they're fully funded to production. So I like that as well. Uh, it's uh, quite a low cost operation, and then of course the jurisdiction, which is Australia. And I think that's in, in, incredibly beneficial yeah. as well. And I think that there should be a premium associated with it on that basis. Um, I think the chart looks better as well, because obviously, you know, being a, the technical analyst, yeah. I need to look at that. So I'm happy to to call this one a buy um, right. over Pal Paladin's hold. Um, but the, look, the other thing, I know it's a small resource, but the, they're, they're talking order of magnitude of at least doubling that through, through exploration. They're pretty confident they're gonna get that. Okay, part. Michael? Yeah, we, this is the other one that we like and we hold and we think it's a buy. 11-year um, mine life at the moment, but they do have that exploration aspect to them, which will allow them hopefully in time to increase their resource. Um, the fact that it is in Australia is a big tick for us. So, and, and the fact that it's fully funded, they're expecting to be back online by fourth quarter of next year. Right. They've actually gone into the uranium market and bought inventory and they did that at a very low cost. So on paper, um, the inventory that they've bought of uranium is actually, I think, doubled or something like that. Or maybe oh. not doubled, but definitely gone up significantly. So we think this is a quality exposure to that space. And, and a lot of clients like the fact that it's based in Australia. So okay. happy to give it a buy. Give it a buy. Um, Carl, what about Deep Yellow? Um, another uranium uh, company in pre-development and in Namibia as well, like, like Paladin is. Yeah, look, it deserves to be on this list, uh, just sheer size. So in terms of reserves, they're actually bigger in terms of measured, indicated and inferred. So measured's the, 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 the important one, not to say indicated and inferred, depending on you know, your levels and where it is and the confidence levels. But 
they're, they're bigger than Paladin um, in terms of measured slightly smaller then. So it, it just the sheer size of this thing deserves to have it deserves to be on the list. Obviously, part of that is its takeover of Viamu Resources, which was another major player in the Australian scene not that long ago. So the combined energy um, makes it quite big on the scene. Uh, so Viamu's resources are in Australia. It's called uh, Mulga Rocks, uh, and they've also got another project uh, in the Northern Territory called Alligator River. Um, so this one is, there's a resource, uh, they are DFS stage on the one in Namibia. So that is closing in on production. They do think that they will get there um, probably 2024-ish, uh, but there's some exciting exploration upside here as well, particularly right. at that Alligator River. So um, some really high grades and some um, decent um, uh, uh, intercept widths as well. So uh, interesting. I don't think I'm a buyer looking at the chart, but it's one that you'll have on your, you know, ASX okay. listed watch list. Okay. Michael? Yeah, the, the volatility on this one's pretty incredible. You can just see looking at the chart. Mm -hmm. um, the management of Deep Yellow were involved in the early stages of Paladin. Um, so the founder, the was founder, the founder yeah. yeah, who managed yeah. to get. So he knows what he he's talking about. From a, um, a multi-million dollar company to a multi-billion dollar company, so he had right. a lot of success, and now he's on board here, um, looking at all the different studies. They think I think one of their mines in Namibia can get up to a twenty-year mine life if all goes to plan, uh, and Namibia is meant to be a decent jurisdiction to operate in out of all the the options in Africa. They've got pretty good infrastructure in place and a fairly good legal system as well. So this is probably on the more speculative side of things. Um, however, given the management team, given the quality of their resource and the quality of their balance sheet in terms of funding, um, you can lean towards a buy, but I don't think at the moment's the right time. You just right. wanna sort of hold it, monitor it, um, and then make a decision once you start to see the momentum picking up, because you can see you get those huge spikes in the price as an update comes out or as the momentum right. builds. So yeah. I think that's probably the time. I was going to, to say, just, a, just this year, yeah. price has been all over the place, has it? So I think that bounces around a lot on the information flow. So just right. be careful because yep. often the, the heat comes into it and then everyone just runs for the exit. So it's a bit more of a trading stock. So it's hard to include right. in, a, in a buy and hold type portfolio. Okay. That, that last rally there, Koshi, was when the Japanese reactors, uh, they said they're going to turn them back on. So right. that, that September rally was almost exclusively that. The rally before that was when the uranium price got up. So as Michael says, it's really sensitive to those yeah, yeah. underlying themes in the market. But, uh, you know, yeah, it, it's not as, uh, the, I guess the, the, the near-term um, production um, capabilities maybe not as good as a boss or a, or a power. Okay. All right. Uh, our next one, called Next Gen Energy. Um, they're not in Namibia or Australia. They're in Canada. Saskatchewan Canada. in uh, Canada. Now, are they in that region where the world's biggest uranium mine is, down the road from it? Exactly. Well, this right. is this is substantial. This, this is like I mean, these guys, if they hit their targets, they could be, you know, they could be fifteen to twenty percent of global production. Um, so, so this is the, out of like out of all the stuff we've talked about today. This is this is like this is the potentially the elephant in the room, um, and. When you get the chart up, it looks really sketchy because it's not—it's not an Australian stock. So it's listed on the TSE. It tr does have uh, ADRs, which are American Depository receipts, on the NYSE. I know that all the acronyms are coming out, but yeah. um, it just for for for, for viewers. Um, there are different ways you can trade this. So uh, many of you will have access to US shares. You can go buy it there. Um, some people have access to TSE if you don't like the, the illiquidity of the chart on screen. And that may put some some people off. But ultimately, it's going to move based upon what those share prices are doing over there. Okay, so, right. so um, but but you're still getting a piece of the pie if you want to do it on the ASX. But it is, yeah, look, I mean, this is, uh, it's bigger than Paladin. So we're talking, oh, Paladin's the big one. Yeah, Paladin's the big boy on the Australian market, uh, but this is, uh, it's market cap's 2.7 billion uh, because it's it's a monster in terms of its uh, its resource, the grade is, I mean, it's a 3% average grade. Now, if you go, like the the, the, the golden target is is 1%, like if you, like the miracle number is 1%, these guys are 3%, so it's, 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 right. it's, a, it's big, it's high grade. Um, they're still relatively early stages compared to say Paladin and Boss, um, but not just that, they've done their DFS, uh, which is Definitive Feasibility Study. They're at FEED now, I know all these acronyms, which is their front-end engineering design stage. 
so I'm not sure if they're pr procurement yet, just check my notes, but they're definitely um, uh, licensing permitting. So look, they're going to get to mine. A big part of it will be funding though. So this is the highest capex. You're looking at 1.3 billion capex right. that they're going to have to find the funding for to get this mine going. But once it is going, it will be a major, major player. So Cameco, Michael mentioned uh, sort of listed place. Cameco is number one. That is the largest independent. And, and, I and they own this, that this uranium mine up the road. They own Cigar Lake, right. yeah. So, yeah. so uh, th th these guys will end up being number two, and then Paladin might end up being number three. But they're okay. they're much further off than say Paladin and Boss. But I, so, so this is a buy for me. This is mm. put stick it in your portfolio and just just okay. just forget about it, Michael. Yeah. So so Carl points out it's actually really only a minor listing in Australia. Um, the big it's a big daddy overseas. Um, they've got the very the lowest um, OPEX of any of the uranium players. I think it's about oh, yeah. five dollars sixty nine US per yeah. pound. You compare that to Paladin, which was closer to twenty five. Right. So at fifty dollars a pound uranium, Jeez, they're making heaps. huge money. Cool. Um, their return on capital is significantly higher than than anything else. And I think the management were discussing they can basically once they spend all the money to get this thing into production. At fifty dollars uranium, they can repay that money within less than a year. So, oh, seems like a pretty exciting proposition. Obviously, there's all the execution risk and everything yeah. around that, but I think this is one to put on your radar. And I'll be tempted just to buy it in, on the international right. exchange if you wanted to go down that path. So, so you buy it now. Happy to buy it now. Right. Okay. The other one down the road or in that area, and I think it was only recently listed. I've been trying to. Um, Remember it. Uh, we did it on small caps. Um, talk ninety-two to the, uh, energy. Ninety-two energy. That's 92 it. Ninety-two energy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the one. Yeah. So the, the last time I was on, I talked about that. I think. Yeah. And I said that's my that's my favourite explorer. We're going to talk about my other favourite explorer in a second. Right. Um, but ninety-two E. So we, we've gone. Oh. We've gone. We've focused on producers up to this right. stage, but right. we'll, we'll go a little bit more specky and smaller cap in a second. But okay. Yeah, because they're kicking around in an Athabasca basin, they yeah. are they are you know, literally you know fifty. 50 to 100 kilometers away during in a yeah. triangle from yeah. uh, from next gen and um, Kamiko. So, hey, Koshi, that doesn't mean anything. They may find nothing at all, yeah, right? But they haven't. They've, they've only cracked estate. a few rocks on the surface, haven't they, rather exactly. than actually drilled. Real estate. Real estate, real estate. Um, all right, your other one, uh, Carl, Aura Energy, uh, not in Namibia, not in Canada. They're in Mauritania. <laughs> so, so, yeah, Mauritania. So, sounds like a Disney princess movie, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> And and Sweden, uh, look, yeah, look, it's, yeah, actually Sweden. That's it's pretty diverse, isn't it? Look, uh, look, it's it's there's lots of mining going on in Mauritania, but again, you know, like I said, you're favouring something like a boss with an Australian um, asset. I, I, I get it, um, but this is look. It's not it's not minuscule. Um, so it's, it's it's bigger than boss, but it's not a giant. It's not an elephant like um, say a Paladin or, or a, a Next Gen. Uh, but I do like the, I do like the project. They're getting um, very close to production. Um, they have a quite a reasonable cost of production. The NPV looks fairly reasonable, and they've got the kicker that that they've they they do expect they're going to get some vanadium out of the resource as well. Mm. Uh, and then they've got that other uranium project in Sweden, which I just think you know, market caps are, you know enterprise value is at one twenty eight. Um, NPV of the um, just the Mauritanian asset is 114 million. You know, I know that's at $60 a pound, so I always divide that by two anyway. But I, I just I just don't think the market's sort of appreciating uh, the exploration upside, which is substantial, and then the vanadium assets as well. So, And the chart's probably one of the better ones right. uh, on the Aussie list. Uh, so yeah, look, I'm I'm happy to go. Um, you know, look, a spec buy on here, putting some in the in the portfolio. But you know, look, whatever you intend to allocate to uranium, you you, you know, you're just putting a little bit on this. I can give you. Look, I, I did some. Um, I, I just before we leave the uranium uh, area, I did look at some charts of the of the bigger um, international players, and I do know viewers do have access to um, other markets. So listed on the NYSE. Uh, Kimiko, CCJ is a ticket code there. I mean, that is like the biggest and the best. That's yeah. like the BHP of uranium. Incidentally, BHP produces 6% of the world's uranium production. Did you know that, Koshi? No. So, no, but it's an iron ore company. So that's why, wow. you know, whether there's too much other stuff going, but it is responsible for 6% of world production uh, from Olympic Dam. Rio right. Tinto has got some production, but it's phasing it out because um, ERA is about to um, 
finish, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, so Kamiko is the obvious one. Um, Centris Energy. So these guys are further up the value chain. So these guys are doing the enriched stuff. So the price of enriched uranium has gone vertical. And that will lead the spot price because you, you don't just put the, the, the stuff you buy spot in the reactors. You've got to enrich it first. Yeah. Um, so Centris Energy, ticker code LEU, definitely check that one out. And then you can go for like this, this, the sprot miners. Like if you want to get diversification to a, a broad one, we don't have any local ETFs, but the sprot uranium miners, uh, that's ticker code URNM on the right. New York Stock Exchange. And then uh, you can go the physical trust, just buy the actual uranium itself. Uh, and that is S-R-U-U-F on okay. the NYSE. All right, Michael, Aura Energy? Uh, yeah, nothing really to add. I, this is the one I hadn't heard of out right. of all of them, so I go with Carl on that one. Right. <laughs> uh, spec buy. No, I'm, I, <laughs> I have to do more research. But if you're right, going to listen right. to anyone on this panel, listen to okay. Carl. Okay, all right. So we'll put you down as a whole. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll okay. go for the ride. All right, <laughs> let's recap the, uh, the first five stocks, stock of the day. Uh, NAB, a hold from both Carl and Michael. Paladin, hold from uh, Michael, uh, hold from Carl, a buy from Michael. Both have a buy on Boss. Um, Deep Yellow uh, is on Carl's watch list. It's a hold from Michael. Uh, Next Gen, a buy from both. And Aura, a speculative buy from, uh, from Carl, a hold from Michael. Um, now, coming up uh, on the... Uh, on uh, our call on the calls portfolio that we've been tracking our high conviction growth fantasy fund. The uh, latest episode of the committee meeting is on the platform osbiz.com at the moment at the November meeting. They removed Intertech Pivot, uh, they added Seven Group, uh, trimmed mineral resources, took some profits there. JB and High, uh, JB Hi-Fi and West Farmers weightings were increased as a result. And uh, the fund is up uh, almost 6.5% since inception on the 1st of March. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Um, in the net, this half hour, we go back a bit more traditional in terms of five stocks we'll be covering that you've asked for. Going to take a look at Suncorp, Arafura, Medibank, uh, Anglo Gold and Toys R Us ANZ. Uh, Michael Brander wants a view on Suncorp. Yeah, so Suncorp, a large insurance company that has a small bank that makes up yep. about a third of their business, that looks like it's going to get sold off to ANZ. Yep. I'm not sure if it's 100% confirmed, but it is going to. I think there was a vote yeah. on that. Yep. Um, I think the price that ANZ is paying for that bank was probably a bit of a premium to what many in the market had valued that bank, um, Suncorp's bank. So that can be seen as a positive. So pretty much now they're left with an insurance business. And insurance is a tricky one because historically it's been a pretty challenging place to invest, at least it has been the last sort of five to 10 years with interest rates and bond yields down at zero um, and negative in many parts of the world. Um, they are starting to see some relief on that side of things um, whereby they can start to take and pull together everyone's premiums and get a decent return on those investments. But in the short term, Suncorp in the most recent update actually had large investment losses because on paper at least the value of those bonds have declined. Yep. Um, it's been a very, very challenging year for bonds. So that's a, a negative, but we're also seeing insurance premiums across the industry jump. They're expected to sort of jump on to around, I think, above 10%. Um, so that is a positive as well. But people are, are liking the fact that these insurance companies which hold a lot of cash mm. uh, will be able to generate a lot of return on them. My standpoint is there's still a very uncertain type of business. There's all natural weather disasters, which are unpredictable and claims and things like that. So from my standpoint, I always tend to avoid them. Okay. Um, but I understand the short-term sentiment shift in their favor. But for now, I'm gonna give it a hold. Right. Because um, they do seem to be trending quite well. Uh, Carl, that, uh, that chart in the last six weeks or so looks all right. <laughs> yeah, it's the Dow Jones. It's a Dow Jones Industrial Average. So they're going to hold a bunch of, uh, if they, get, they hold stocks. We know that from their um, yeah, investment return reports, where basically when the market 
tanks, they lose money. When the market goes up, then they adjust it back up. Um, yeah, and they hold a bunch of uh, cash and bonds as well. So you're looking at uh, recovery there in the uh, Dow Jones, which is the top 30 blue chip stock. So that's it's it's a it's a value trade, uh, and Suncorp is not going to hold uh, in their portfolio uh, because don't forget you're getting all the premiums, so they have to hold this stuff. So yeah. the way insurance works is the premiums come in, they invest it, and hopefully they don't have to pay you at some stage. Okay, but if they do, that's where that's the pool of premiums. So investment returns are really important, and basically the the, the you know the NAV of Suncorp is just going up and down with the Dow Jones 30. So. Um, yeah, if you think the Dow's going to keep going up, then continue to hold Suncorp. If you think the market's going to crash next year, then maybe take some profits. I'm probably in the second camp. I, the valuation side, it, it wasn't very appealing to me. I just, uh, for the growth that's in the business, uh, the, the valuation was, was um, over, it looked overvalued. So I've, I've got it as much as 20% overvalued here. So wow. down the bottom of that range, I think is fair value, not here. And then uh, the- So you're um, a sell. I think you'd take some profits here. Yeah, I'd, right. I'd take some profits already. Okay. All right. Uh, just by the way, uh, would you be taking profits on your coal stocks at the moment? Uh, <laughs> down down in the last week on... Um, uh, coal miners are down. What's the coal yep. price doing? Oh, it's um, coming down. Uh, it's coming down as well. So it's not, oh, yeah, not yeah. just the threat of a cap um, <laughs> and, and sort of a royalty uh, profit from the government. Uh, combination, but no, right. it's definitely coming down. So it peaked at 488 back in March. It worked its way back up to about 465. It took a US dollars a ton for Newcastle coal, thermal coal, uh, in September when a lot of those uh, uh, coal companies, so New Hope, yep. Whitehaven, Terracom, they all peaked around then. But it's now, it's now below 340, Koshi. So you think yeah. sort of 465 right. back to 340, that's a decent okay. haircut. Off the price and the trend is, is starting to look the wrong direction. So we've you know, we've been trimming. So if you tune into my Tuesday webinars, yeah. everybody's welcome. My, the link is on Twitter. Go to Twitter, click on the registration link, come and join me. Um, but we have been trimming, uh, trimmed a bit more. And then yesterday I said, "Ha ha, this is it, guys. Out. This is the technical signal I was waiting for." Out, and then we'll, see, we'll reassess. It's not to say we won't trade it again, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we're we're okay. done with coal for now. All right. Uh, next stock that uh, has come up from uh, from viewers, Michael Scott wants a view on Arafura, the big rare earths company. It has um, just done a deal with uh, Hyundai and and Kia. Share prices shot up this week as well. Yes, yeah, so this, this is week. one of those rare earth um, companies that's got a, a big resource. I think they're talking thirty eight year mine life, yeah. um, but they're going to need a billion dollars to develop. So essentially, they can either go to the market and do a number of capital raisings, which they've done in the past, but ideally they can get some of these memorandums of understanding or these offtake agreements. General Electric, I think, came up about six months ago. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if there was ever some specific terms on that agreement, but basically General Electric wanted some of their rare earths in order to produce wind turbines and windmills, stuff like that. Hyundai obviously wants it for its, um, its cars primarily. The agreement with Hyundai, I think, was more detailed, um, taking about 30% of production for seven years. So that will give them some decent cash flow to then push for the full development of this mine. Look, it's obviously still a higher risk play. It's an explorer I'm trying to make that transition to producer. Um, so there is that you know, element of risk, but out of all the rare earth emerging players, I think this one is probably one to keep an eye on. Oh. Um, we have a couple of clients who are in there more as a speculative hold. It's not normally part of the market that we deal in, but as it comes, um, rare earth is a space with a lot of the same dynamics that are pushing the lithium price higher. So yeah. ARU is a, a small speculative company, but is, if it can make that transition from explorer to producer, uh, they'll capitalize a lot from that and, and do well off the back of that. But there's obviously those risks. So I'm gonna give it a, a hold at the moment. Right. Um, just because I want to see some more evidence that they're making that progress um, to production and getting yep. enough funding to pull it off. Okay, Carl? Yeah, well, they're going to get 300 million from the Australian government as a loan. Yep. So, the, you know, the Australian government wants this to happen. I think it will happen, but yeah, we've got to work out some of the financing. We're going to get some more information 
probably next month. That's when they've um, slated their final investment decision. So it's you, you go, no go. Uh, and hopefully we get some uh, a bit of meat on the bone as to how they're going to finance it all. Uh, it'd be great if they can get a major equity partner or like, you know, a GE or a Hyundai or someone yeah. in like that. Uh, Kia. So uh, obviously uh, we, we didn't talk about what they do, which is the neodymium, praseodymium, Koshi. Yeah, that's, that's why, that's I, why didn't I didn't talk there. about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just said this rare earth. This is the stuff you need for your magnets. So this, the, the key here is the, is the magnets that go in your electric um Electric ah, motors, right. and your EVs, and your wind farms. So wind farms is another uh, mm. big part of it. So very much, you know, green outlook, of course, right. but something that is going to dirty great big hole in the ground. Uh, but yeah, look, I like it. I think it, the, the reason why it hasn't done, like it did well back in April, May, is that the, the spot price for uh, NDPR, let's just call it, uh, was booming. So it went from, uh, I don't know, about 80, I think it was, uh, US uh, per ton or whatever it is can't remember off the top of it but it went to 100 it went to 180 right oh. and it's pulled back to about 90 now pulled back to about 90 so it has to come off significantly now your lithium uh, minerals those are still bottom left top right koshi nothing's changed there they are going berserk so this one this this is you can't lump this in the same boat so i've got a lot of clients again on tuesdays they say you know it's almost like it's not fair it's not fair lithium companies are doing so well and yet rare earths companies aren't doing well and and therein lies your answer everybody it's the spot price of what they're trying right. to dig out of the ground okay and this is going to be an option on that i think you want to own a few i think bigger picture sort of own a few but i you know if if Purely technical, timing the market, short term. I can't call it a buy right now. I can okay. go hold. Okay. All right. Um, Nick wants a view. Carl, um, a very topical subject. Uh, Medibank. Everyone's uh, the private health insurer that's got the um, had the cyber attack at the moment. Um, what do you think of Medibank? I think, look, uh, look putting the business side of it aside right and people will shout at their screens for me doing that but just from a technical perspective i don't like to buy those huge drops and i know a lot of people you know investors australian investors seem to be attracted like a moth to the flame of anything that has a huge drop in a you know, single yeah. day drop you know and they go oh it must be a bargain you know i've got to buy it you know it'll go back up again and if you if that's you you're kind of then calling everybody else in the market a moron right? You're saying everybody else has got it wrong. You know, there's, there's no good reason why it should be down. I'll tell you what, everybody else did their research on it. They ran the numbers, they changed all the models, uh, you know, all the spreadsheet model numbers, and they come up with came up with a new valuation. And they're a lot bigger than you. And there's a reason why it gapped down. There's a reason why it'll probably stay down. So if you can look at the look at the way it's responded from that bounce. Look, uh, one caveat on that, if you have a huge um, drop like that, and you finish with a nice big white candle, or a long lower shadow, that's when I'd say, okay, well, maybe it's it's overdone or there's a bit of an aberration, but this didn't do that. In fact, it was a black body, upper shadow, which tells you the selling wasn't done and you can see how it's peeled right. off lower since then. Yeah. So for me, the, the, putting aside what actually happened, the supply demand dynamics, which is ultimately how you make money as an investor as it controls price, don't look good from here. So right. I, can't, I can't call this a bargain at all. If anything, I'm leaning towards a sell. Okay, Michael? Yeah, I, I'm the same, obviously. I don't think this is terminal for, for Medibank. I, I think they've got a very good brand name in the market for a long period of time. Um, but there's no doubt there'll be some ongoing costs, um, but mainly the costs will be temporary in nature. Um, but still, it's going to be a distraction for the company. Rather than focusing on winning new policyholders, it's going to be more about retaining existing policyholders, uh, the ongoing costs regarding support and issuing new documents and the financial costs of that. All the marketing will be again focused on retaining rather than winning new business. So they're going to struggle, I think, for a couple of years yep. now in terms of um, growth relative to their peers. And just generally speaking, looking at the private health insurance market, yes, the population's growing and yes, it's, it's aging, but it is heavily regulated by, by government. Um, and even leading into to this, um, this recent issue that they've confronted, it's been very difficult to get people to take up private health insurance. In fact, it was in decline there for an extended period of time. And as the cost of living pressures increase, you would expect that it'll become one of the things that people disregard yeah. and toss in the bin. Yeah. Um, so from, from my standpoint, I think at an industry level, 
they'll struggle. And I think at a company level, they're going to be distracted with their focus elsewhere on other things other than growing the business. So for mine, I'm going to just give it a, a sell. Right. And is, is there a logic that says, because uh, NIB, so whenever private health insurance companies come up, NIB seems to be the favourite yeah. one, a bit more dynamic, uh, better management, they white label for others. Um, like if you're in Medibank, you'd be going, well, stuff you, if you can't look after my details, I'm going to switch. <laughs> so do you look at some of the competitors who might sort of benefit from this? I think absolutely. And particularly, again, you're, you're more sort of large cap, passive Aussie equity managers, like many of the super funds, yeah. or like an Argo or something yeah. like that they would be considering a, a switch. They also right. might be considering a switch back the other way to try and pick up perceived value. But I just think a lot of the issues confronting Medibank aren't very predictable. Right. And you're not going to be able to really predict what the consumer reaction is going to be to the business. So yep. for me, it's in the too hard basket. Okay. All right. Uh, and next stock um, is Anglo Gold. Um, Carl, Eric wants a view on that. They're a gold explorer, mining and marketing company. They're big too, aren't they? 14, yeah. um, 14 operations across nine countries, across all different sorts of all, body, all bodies. They, they don't come up very often here on the call. Uh, because it's a, it's, a, it's a South African company, so yeah. it's primary listing. It's a bit like uh, NextGen. Uh, yeah, we talked about uranium. The primary listing is in Johannesburg on the JSC, and we've got the uh, CDIs over here, which is, stands for Chest Depository uh, Interest. Right. <laughs> so yeah, you'll often see that. I know I, you get lots of questions from clients saying, "Hey, you know, what is this CDI?" And there'll be a ratio, often a ratio there, and there, and because you know sometimes you're trading uh, like one for ten in the base. Right. Uh, base currency sort of thing. Um, so there's a little bit of um, FX risk as well, I guess, in the translation of that. There's a lot of um, arbitrage going on. Uh, we're getting off topic. The company is very interesting. I mean, it's it's a big gold miner. It's, you know, nine billion, yeah. as I said, market cap. I'm trying to find the market cap of Newcrest. So Newcrest, we all know Newcrest, that's got an $11 billion market cap. Right. So it is, you know, it's, it's a big deal. Um, and as you said, they produce mainly uh, in Africa, mainly African gold. That's about, or it's about just over 50% of their production, but they do have local production assets here. Tropicana, which I want to say they bought off IGO, right. where before IGO did the big battery metals uh, pivot, over here in Kalgoorlie, and then Sunrise uh, Dam, I think it is as well, that's in Laverton. So, yeah, it's, so look, reasonable cost of production. Uh, it, it's pretty simple, everything's pretty similar to Newcrest, so when I look, looked all of that up. Um, I like it, I mean, we're talking about gold here, so, um, not that I'm a big fan of gold. Uh, viewers will know I'm not. I'm the opposite. But I, I do think gold's got a bounce, and I do think this one's got a bounce here. So if you're looking for some gold exposure, I don't think this is uh, the worst one out there. I know uh, clients, again, in those Tuesday sessions, Northern Star is very popular, and I do think that looks pretty good on the chart and a little specky um, because they've been beaten down. These Aussie gold producers have been yep. smashed. Remelius Resources, a couple of bonus buys. Mm. There's NST in the bigger end and Remelius RMS in the smaller end. But I'm happy to go buy on a shanty as well if you're looking for gold exposure. Okay. All right, Michael? Um, it's, it's not one that we hold. We don't really hold that much gold for clients. Just we've been concerned over the last 12 months or so about rising bond yields. Um, and there's just tends to be that inverse relationship. Um, but you've seen signs of life in the gold plays in the last couple of days. And the clients that do hold golds, mainly Northern Star Evolution. Northern Star has got very high grades. They've managed to extend their mine life. Their costs of production are a bit higher. Evolution's got very low costs of production, but they've been doing a lot of um, capex, if you like, and a lot of expansion and purchasing of different assets. So on a like-for-like -like basis, Northern Star's performed a lot better in recent times in evolution. Um, and Anglo Gold and Northern Star have basically been in lockstep when looking at the, the charts and the comparison charts. Um, look, we just prefer Australian gold producers because they can incur costs in Aussie dollars, and then they sell their gold in US dollars, and you get the benefit of that currency translation. Yep. Anglo Gold, with all its operations in Africa, although it is African-based company, um, we just think that the, the geopolitical risk is greater and they don't get the benefits, or you don't get the benefits of an Australian investor of that favorable currency move. 
So from my standpoint, the, the, I'm well, the rand, the rand, the rand's been tanking as well. Yeah, the rand's been worse well, than the Aussie dollar. Yeah. So if anything, you probably get more tailwinds from that. But, but there uh, you go. But I don't, I don't look. I it's an extra level of risk, is it, when you're bringing currencies and stuff? Well, if, well the thing is, when looking at the Anglo Gold's costs, they quote them in their in their presentations in US dollars. Right. So although they've got rand or what, whatever right. it is, yeah. they still are what they quote it. When you look at Aussie Gold producers, they tend to quote it in Aussie dollar Aussie costs. Gold. Right. Okay. Um, so then that has a bit of an impact there. But right. look, from from my standpoint, I'm happy to give it a hold because I do think there are some signs of life in the space. But I do prefer others. Silver Lake's also another one. Romelius is an, also an interesting one. Right. Okay. Um, that Carl touched upon. All right, final stock uh, here on the call today is Toys R Us, ANZ. Roger wants a view on that, Michael. Remember when Toys yeah. R Us revolutionised retailing, <laughs> then went out backwards. But they have stores in New Zealand, don't they? It's yeah, I think they've still got a few a um, stores. I remember there used to be a big one at, say, Moorpark Supercenter yeah. that's no yeah, longer yeah. there. I'm pretty sure the US Toys R Us went into administration. It yeah. might have made a bit of a comeback. They were um, a disruptor that didn't continue being disruptive. Disruptive, that's right. <laughs> um, I think this was a bit of a rebrand from Fantastic or Fantastic or something like that right. a few years ago. Um, but they're looking to, it, it is a well-known brand name, that's for sure. But they're looking to regenerate interest in this brand name, mainly through the online presence. Um, they are trying to get basket sizes up again and active customers increasing, revenues increasing. All those things are increasing at the moment, but it's off a very low and depressed base. Um, so look, I, I admire what they're, what they're trying to do, but I think there's still a long, long way to go for this business to get anywhere yeah. back to the heady days. And that in many ways, they're trading off the brand name. The business really bears no resemblance to what it used to be in the past. Yeah. Um, so just be careful of that and continue to monitor those things. Yeah, uh, this sounds like for you, there's e easier decisions to make on where to put uh, your money in the yeah, share definitely. market than this one. <laughs> Carl? It's look, yeah, it reminds me of Booktopia, you know, yeah. it's actually gone from hero to zero, similar market caps, uh, actually. Uh, but you know, it's a small fish competing in a huge pond. So if you're online, you're selling toys online, then there are many, many, and many, and many other alternatives, yeah. with bigger brands, bigger marketing budgets, and they're going to they're going to kill you uh, eventually. And this thing will probably die at some stage. Yeah. Uh, not making money, not expected to make money anytime in the near future. And uh, yeah, they got a bit of a blip. <laughs> Ironically, it was very hot on the chat rooms not that long ago because there was an announcement of a big uh, tie up with Macy's. Right. Uh, but what people didn't realise is it's the Toys R Us in America and it's got nothing to do with the Toys R Us right. in Australia. The, co the local company came out and said, look, guys, it's got nothing to do with us right. and it's fallen back. Uh, so on the platforms, so it was uh, a pump and dump. It was a pump. Yeah, look, yeah, pump and okay. dump. And uh, it's it's over now. Chart is right. horrible. Can't buy it. Not investment okay. great. <laughs> Carl Capalinga from Think Markets. Always <laughs> great to catch up, mate. Thank you kindly. Thanks very much, Goshi. Michael Wayne from Adalian Financial. Good to see Thanks, you. Thanks, Goshi. Well. Thanks, Carl. See you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> All right, let's uh, recap uh, the final five stocks. Suncorp, uh, basically a, a sell from Carl, um, take some profits, uh, a hold from uh, from Michael. Arafura, a hold from both. Medibank, a sell from both. Uh, Anglo Gold, uh, Carl doesn't mind it. Um, uh, he thinks gold stocks have been oversold. He thinks an interesting one is Romelius. Uh, Michael's got a hold on it, but he'd prefer uh, the Northern Stars Evolution, Silver Lake, also thinks Remedius interesting as well. Toys R Us US, uh, no. Uh, Toys R Us, rather ANZ, a no from both. Coming up on the small caps, uh, Skyfi has signed a $2 million contract with McDonald's, providing the fast food giant with real-time monitoring and food analysis, Wayne Arthur is joining the team on for the small caps uh, coming up very shortly. If you've got any stocks you'd like us to cover and for me to put to our expert panel, put them in an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us uh, using the at TV handle. All the stocks in the calls fantasy portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Stick around, a lot more happening on Osbiz small caps coming up next. <laughs> 